0: The Apostle Paul had to go out of his way and remind a church, what is the gospel? Because they were getting off course. They were losing the plot. And he says, now this is the gospel by which you are saved if you continue in it. Because if you get the gospel wrong, you're still in your sins. This is why people in cults are not getting saved. They don't have the gospel. It makes a big difference. To another church, Paul said, if I or even an angel preach to you anything contrary to what we preach to you at the beginning, let him be accursed, and he repeats himself so that they get it. You cannot Believe just any gospel. Because when you get the gospel wrong, it's no longer the good news. Whatever you preach can't save anybody. And people are still in their sins. Life is not this massive spiritual smorgasbord and... You know, you want to go with the potato salad, but forget the pickled herring, because I don't like that. The gospel is all one, and you have to get it right, or you're not saved. So, getting the gospel wrong means working against Jesus. So, I'm going to read in Luke chapter 5 now, from verse 12. And it says, And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself Often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So, this fella is in the city and he asks Jesus to heal him. I'm super happy that this isn't brain surgery. Because you don't want to go, oops, during brain surgery. Say what? It's, it's, it's We're going to concentrate on the letter blue for a while. And just You know that they, they want to stay away from the name leprosy nowadays. Because it has such unfavorable associations. that go back centuries. Now they refer to it as Hansen's disease. Are we back? Well, someday, Lord Jesus. That is, until the year nineteen sixty, the disease was incurable. And if you had leprosy, it was a sentence of death and it destroyed your life before you died. The law of Moses says that if you have this or other similar skin diseases, they're all diagnosed in the book of Leviticus. You have to live apart from everybody else. You had to leave the camp. You lose your livelihood. You lose your fellowship with others You can't go to synagogue. You have to tear your garments, cover your mustache, and call out to people, unclean, unclean, so they never come near you. You live very uncertainly and really at the mercy of others. If others have compassion on you and take care of you, then you can live. And what? Leprosy does is it causes you to lose your sense of touch. And so if you apply too much force to your a part of your body, you can damage it and not know it. You could slam your finger in a car door. You can burn yourself and not know it. And that leads to disfigurement, losing body parts. The skin can develop infections. this man is full of leprosy. That means he's a dead man, and Jesus is his only hope. And you know that this guy is desperate because he's seeking Jesus in the city. Did you notice that? He's not supposed to be there, but he's looking for Jesus, and he's heard about Jesus. Somewhere out there, he's getting the message, there's a guy named Jesus. He can heal anything, because that's what Jesus has been doing. He even can cast out demons. Jesus has authority, and he has power. And you know, in the Bible, only God has the power to heal leprosy. Only God For example, God gave Moses this sign for the elders of Israel. He was to put his hand inside his cloak and bring it out, and it would be leprous. He was to put it back, pull it out, and it would be healed. So, there's an example of God healing leprosy. Another time was when Moses' sister Miriam was criticizing Moses, and God brought her and Aaron out to the tent of meeting and, you know, had a talk with them. When he was done, Miriam was leprous. And Moses prayed for her to be healed. And God says, she can spend a week outside the camp, then we'll bring her in. So, he healed her. The other person healed in the Old Testament was Naaman the Syrian. So, God, only God. Can heal this skin disease. He's the creator. There's nothing he can't do. So this fella prostrates himself before Jesus, absolutely humbling himself. And he says, are you willing? He believes that Jesus has the power, has the authority, but does he care? Is he compassionate? And Jesus does have the authority and the power and the compassion. And he says, be cleansed. And immediately his skin is restored. He's not leprous anymore. You have to imagine what it would be like for this guy to all of a sudden he's okay again. That means he can be in the presence of people. They can touch him. He can go to synagogue. He can work. It's like Jesus just gave his life back to him. And you have to marvel that Jesus does care for people who are sick, who are disadvantaged, who are helpless. Jesus cares. And you know, he's showing us what the Father is like. You have to know what the Father is like. He cares about your sicknesses, your illnesses, everything you're going through. He really cares, and we know because we can look at Jesus. Imagine that somebody can actually touch you, and it's okay. And that first touch comes from God, because that's who Jesus is. He touches him. He says, I'm willing. I can feel him, and he's not scared to touch me. That's because, wow, I'm clean. That's got to be an immense experience. Probably second only to recovering your sight. I think about the guy that Jesus healed and he says, I'm going to stick a bunch of clay in your eyes. You go to the pool at Siloam and wash. And The guy goes, okay, let's go to Siloam, guys. And he gets there and he washes and it's like, where am I? Can you imagine? This guy gets touched, and he goes, wow, I forgot how cool it was to have somebody touch me. Well, Jesus commands him. Do you notice? He says, do not tell anyone. Now, what's the natural thing? To run around like a crazy man and say, I got healed, I got healed. Jesus says, don't do it. Are you looking at me? Do you hear my voice? Don't tell anyone. This is a subject that Jesus' brothers did not get. They asked him in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, are you going to go up to Jerusalem? He says, no. He goes, why don't you go up there? If you're trying to make yourself be known, why don't you get out into the public? And he says, I'm not going up yet. See, they didn't get it. If you're trying to make yourself known, hey, I'm the Messiah, why don't you do something about it? Get your public relations together. But Jesus here says, shh. I want you to be quiet. And the reason is this quote from Isaiah, the prophet in Matthew 12, it's given Jesus aware of this withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all and warned them not to tell who he was. Don't tell me now. Can you imagine that he's talking to many people and he says, shh, this is our secret? Really? He says, don't tell anybody. This is to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. So he's saying, work with me on this. Don't tell anyone. Now, Why, why does God do this? It's not like we would do it. But I think this is part of the testimony, that God lets the works speak for themselves so that people come to the right conclusion. Jesus isn't running around like a lot of people do today trying to make a name for themselves. but he's just being the Messiah. So he says, I do not want you to tell anybody about this. Then he commands the man to go to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a testimony to them. Now, you know, right after the chapter where Moses gives all these procedures for the priest to diagnose skin diseases, he has a whole chapter about the offerings and the procedure to, to cleanse someone who's had leprosy. But no Israelite that we know of was ever healed from that. Isn't that funny? It's there in the law, and nobody is healed. Ever. Because again, Moses and Miriam, we don't read of them making those sacrifices. And Naaman was a Syrian. He's not even from Israel. It's not his job. So imagine a priest doing his job one day, And some guy comes up and he says, what can I do for you? And he says, I would like to offer the sacrifices for the cleansing of a leper. You want to what? Yeah, I've been told to do this because I've been cleansed of leprosy. What? Yeah, I mean, this guy healed me and... Uh, let me check and see. I don't think I've ever done this before. How do we got to go back and read? How do you do this? Now, the instructions are not complicated, but nobody's ever done this before. Ever, ever, ever. How long? Maybe 1400 years. This is the first time in history that this part of the word of God is being fulfilled. Don't you think that's interesting? And you know, Jesus did not come to destroy the law of Moses. He came to fulfill it. And look at He's fulfilling that word of God right here. However, what the text shows us is that this guy disobeyed Jesus. And he actually worked against Jesus. All right? Now, see, if God does great things for you, you respond by presenting yourself to God to serve him. That is only right. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you, brethren, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And you could also translate that rational service of worship. Did you get those two words, service and worship? We're in a worship service right now. Guess what? We're worshiping the Lord. We're also serving him. Because they're two sides of the same coin. When you worship God, you serve Him. And all of your service for God is worship. And you're saying, here is my offering. I offer myself. We don't offer bulls, sheep, goats. We offer ourselves. That is an acceptable offering to god that's our worship 24 hours a day and it's only rational it's only right it only makes sense does god do a tremendous work in your life and then you run off and do your own thing does that make any sense So see, here's Jesus, and he comes and touches this man and then gives him commandments. He expects this person to obey him. But this guy does not listen to Jesus. He doesn't do what Jesus told him to do. Now, I've heard some people excuse this disobedience and say, Oh, well. He did go out and talk about Jesus, and couldn't we use a little bit more of that? Can't he be excused this time because he's just a live wire Why he's going out and fearlessly talking about Jesus? But disobedience is still disobedience. Does everybody get that? Because when he disobeyed Jesus, this healed man worked against him in these ways. He never went to the priest. So the priest did not get the testimony that Jesus wanted to give him. On two accounts, that is one, there is a guy out there who does things that only God can do. Jesus is God with us. The priest should get that testimony. He doesn't. All he hears is the same thing that everybody else is hearing. Oh, there's some guy out there, and he's doing a bunch of stuff. Okay, there's a guy out there, and he's doing a bunch of stuff. Big deal. There's lots of crazy rumors flying around But the other thing that the guy doesn't get is that heart of Jesus about the word of God. Again, Jesus is not against God or trying to set up his own thing or destroy the law of Moses. Like some people were trying to bend it and make it sound like he's some kind of crazy guy. We heard this guy say that he's going to destroy the temple in three days, raise it up again. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's not what he was trying to say. But there are some people who twist it. You see, Jesus has the highest regard for the law of Moses and the word of God. He says heaven and earth is going to pass away before one particle or stroke of that word passes away. And see, the priest does not get the testimony. For all he knows, that Jesus, whoever he is, is some kind of a maniac. That's not true. But then, here's another issue. This healed guy is telling everybody this news about Jesus. What's he telling them? This guy is great. All right? This guy healed me. Okay, this guy can heal anybody, everybody. All right, that's true. If you hear that this guy is out there, he can heal anyone. He's full of compassion. What's your next thought? Let's grab all of our sick people and go out there. Let's get him healed right now. But see, what happened was it made life much more difficult for Jesus. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 1. He went out and began to proclaim it freely. This is the healed man. And to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Where did Jesus heal that guy? In a city. And what that guy did was make it impossible for anybody else to encounter Jesus in the same way he did. That door is shut. Now, whenever Jesus shows up, the huge mob shows up. And At times, they're crushing him and his disciples. You know, it says that he had to keep a boat standing by in case the crowd decided to surge on him. He could get into the boat and kind of push out from shore. That's crazy, but people will do that. You know, like like the Beatles. They love them so much, they're going to rip them to shreds and trample them. So, you know, it says that he would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. You notice that? He is avoiding the crowds. And he's communing with the Father. He avoids people. And here's the worst problem. People are hearing the wrong message. Jesus will heal your diseases. That's what he's here for. And they show up in droves, expecting him to heal their diseases. But look at this. Physical healing is not the gospel. Because Jesus came to save people from their sins. We're not getting any iPad? Well, then I'll just say it. Physical healing is not the gospel. Jesus came to save people from their sins. Healing and salvation are two different things. And salvation is greater than healing. So let's read now from verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst Before Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. All right. In this section, Jesus is teaching, and he also has great authority and power to heal. And he's under great scrutiny. Have you ever been under great scrutiny? And knew that you were under great scrutiny? You see, he's got a room full of Pharisees. These guys are the dominant part of Judaism in this time. And they have been for the last hundred years or so. Their interpretation of Torah and the Word of God is respected. They are the teachers. They're also teachers of the law there, otherwise known as scribes, experts in the law of Moses. And you notice they've come from all over Galilee, all over Judea, and even from Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus has a whole room full of big guns. And these guys are connected with the men who came from Jerusalem to check out John the Baptist. They were sent as a delegation to say, who are you? They said, are you Elijah? He goes, no. He goes, are you the prophet? He goes, no. He goes, well, who are you? He says, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now, you know, the leaders, these teachers, they didn't believe John. Because later on, when they're challenging Jesus over his authority, who gave you this authority to do what you're doing? He says, okay, answer me a question. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? And you know, they wanted to save from men. They didn't dare because everybody would have stoned them. But these guys didn't believe John, and now they're in the same room with Jesus. So I gather from this that the atmosphere is a little bit chilly. It's a little bit hostile and antagonistic. And here's Jesus. Teaching to guys who already know it all. Ever been like that? You know something, and somebody's up there trying to teach, and you just get this attitude like, okay, what do you got? (laughs) Tell me something I don't know already. And in the midst of this, these men bring their suffering friend to Jesus. He's paralyzed. And of course, these guys have heard the news. There's a guy, Jesus something, and he can heal anybody. So they go, no brainer. Let's get our friend. So they got him and they're carrying him and they can't get in. It's like, excuse me, can you guys get out of here? We're stuck. So, they decide to go up on the roof and let him down through the roof. This is is insanity. These guys are desperate. Now, have you ever seen The Chosen, where this part comes up? You know what they found? It takes a long time to dig through a roof and let a guy down. And they said, we don't have the kind of time for this. This is a television show. So, they kind of worked it into the plot that there's some kind of a winch and a hole already there. This is true. So, it didn't take five minutes. It took 15 to maybe half an hour. Think about this. This is not a surprise. This is a, what? What's happening up there? It's okay. It's just us. What are you doing? Oh, well, we're going to let our friend through because we want Jesus to heal him. Well, you can't do that well, it's okay. I mean, you're okay, right, Jesus? It's all right. You're compassionate, right? Here he comes. This is a whole big, as the Germans would say, theater. It's it's insane what's going on here. So, everybody knows what's the score. They're letting their friend down. Jesus is supposed to heal him. Everybody's looking at Jesus. All the teachers of the law are just okay, what's this? This is insanity. And everybody's looking at Jesus. What is he going to do? And he says something that blows every single mind in the place. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Understandably, it blows all the teachers, all the Pharisees' minds. Because immediately they start thinking, this guy thinks he's God. This guy is deluded. He thinks he's God. That's about the force of things here. Well, We get that, but, you know, if I was one of that guy's friends, I think my mind would be blown, too. Look at that. Star Trek rules. Now, check this out. You're this guy's friend. You brought him to get healed. So you're waiting for Jesus to heal him, and then Jesus starts talking about his sins being forgiven, it's like, wait a minute! Heal him! That's your thing, right? What is this metaphysical mumbo-jumbo? Just heal him. We didn't want you to forgive his sins. What the... What's going on? See, everybody's flummoxed here. So... Jesus takes this opportunity to preach the gospel. And the gospel is about him. He is God with us. That's who he is. Now, you notice that Jesus knows what they're thinking? He does this a lot in the Gospels. Now, he doesn't just look at their face and say, you know, from the body language you're displaying, I can tell that you're probably thinking this. You know, he knows exactly what they're thinking. And he says, you think I'm blaspheming, don't you? He goes, okay. What's easier to say? your sins are forgiving you, or rise up and walk. Now, on one hand, I get it. It's harder to say that because you actually have to have the authority to do it. But if you're a fake, that's pretty easy to say. Your sins are forgiven, you. Nobody can prove it. But see, it's harder to fake a healing. Either that guy gets up off the floor, or he doesn't. So people can find out real fast, can you heal this guy or not? So he says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise, take up your stretcher, and go home. Okay, Jesus is teaching these guys who know everything, but there's one thing they don't know, and that is, who is the Son of Man? They would know this from Daniel chapter 7, the only place in the Bible where this guy is mentioned. Only place, and he's only mentioned once. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven One like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And you know, what you need to add there is as an equal. Because he's coming up with the clouds of heaven. In other words, it's right for him to be presented before the ancient of days with glory. Because he is equal to him. And it says, And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So you know what Jesus is teaching with power is I am the son of man. Now, he speaks the word. He exercises his authority to instantly heal that paralyzed man. And that man obeys Jesus, picks up a stretcher. He goes out praising God. Everybody is just blown away. And they say, we have seen remarkable, miraculous things. Here, Jesus is teaching the gospel, that he is the Son of Man, equal to the Ancient of Days, and every single person in that room would have gotten that. So look at this. This is my little... I always ask this when I get done with teaching because it has to have an application. So what? And the answer is you have to get the gospel right or you're going to be working against Jesus. In the first part about this physical healing, it's not the same as salvation. They're different and salvation is by far greater. And Jesus himself proves this. Do you know that Jesus deliberately avoided crowds when if that was his big mission to heal everybody, it would have been the perfect opportunity to go out there and relieve suffering and heal everybody. But he would avoid that. But see, that's, that doesn't compute if Jesus' job is to heal everybody. But what Jesus does do is deal directly with the root cause of all of our problems. The biggest problem we face is not that we're sick. The biggest problem we face is that we are dead in our sins and transgressions against God. And in this, a sick person is no different from somebody who is fully healthy. Both are equally doomed before God. Both need salvation. Sin is the cause of disease. Disease only kills physically, but sin kills forever so think about this the paralytic is on the floor jesus says son your sins are forgiven you right there this man receives eternal life let's say he has a sudden heart attack he's so happy <clears throat> Poor guy is dead. What happens to him? He's in right relationship with God. He sees the face of God. He is alive forever. Is he healed? Yes! But only because he has a right relationship with God. Now look. Somewhere in there, he eventually died. He's doing an extreme victory dance, and then he has the heart attack. He's dead. They all died. Everybody that Jesus healed is dead. That healing was temporary. So where is he now? That guy is still alive. Because he's in right relationship with God. So look, we have to agree on this. Salvation is far greater than healing. Salvation is Jesus himself. He himself is the gospel. This is really important. He says, I am The resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. Now, the guy who was healed of leprosy preached the wrong message. People who heard came to Jesus for the wrong reasons, and they didn't stick around for the right reasons. This is really interesting. Because they wanted to be healed, they weren't thinking, I need salvation. Like the time that Jesus fed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread, and everybody ate, and they were filled up. And they gathered up 12 baskets of scraps of bread. Nobody wanted them. They couldn't eat anymore. But... When Jesus left, they went looking for Jesus until they found him. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter. Or Jesus said in John chapter six, he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you." For on him, the Father, God, has set his seal. And you know, they go on in that chapter to say, well, you know, what sign will you perform? Because Moses gave him bread in the wilderness. And Jesus says, well, you know what? Moses didn't give you that bread. My father did. And I am that bread. But again, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And they said, well, that's a hard saying. Who can put up with that? And they leave him. See, they're not looking for Jesus. They want the bread. I want a Big Mac, a large order of fries, and a Diet Coke. And Jesus says, I'll give you salvation. And they say, That's not lunch. And they leave. Well, Jesus is greater than a healer. He is the son of man. The one who will reign forever because he is salvation. He died for the sin of the world and he rose from the dead. And if you look through the New Testament where it talks about salvation, it won't talk about healing. Physical healing. This is really important. Salvation is more important than healing, and it's different from physical healing. Now, you know you really know Jesus when you present yourself to Him and obey Him. Do you know He's not your Savior? until he's your Lord. And you cannot take Jesus in bits, like, I'll let Jesus save me, but I'm still the boss. Never in a bazillion years. If Jesus laid down his life for you, you are to lay down your life for him, period. This is only rational. This is only logical. He says, I have commandments for you. I want you to obey them. And you are to say, yes, Lord. So, if you don't, you are like that healed man who worked against Jesus and made life Harder for him. And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. We're going to get there. He who was not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So do you gather with Jesus, or do you scatter against him? Here's what you do if you're not sure. Every morning, present yourself to God as a living and holy sacrifice. That's what you do. That's who you are. That's how you know if you're saved. Because you will submit yourself to him. Even if it's to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'm doing a terrible job at this. Here I am. I'm all yours. You know, I might be that lump of clay that's right now made into an ashtray. But see, you're able to take an ashtray and remake it into something valuable. And here I am, your personal ashtray. Do what you want to with me. then you know you've got the gospel right. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that, that you have mercy on us to send Jesus to us. and we thank you and bless you that he is the son of man equal to you and we thank you that you sent him to save us from our sins and you will heal us you do heal us and we will all be healed Thank you so much. For now, some of us are sick and we're not being healed. And so we want to present ourselves to you. And we want to say whatever you want. If you want me to serve you healed, please heal me. And if somehow your purposes are served by my not being healed, here I am. Anything you want, you can have it. Please lead me and guide me. We pray that you would be glorified in our lives. by our serving you and worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen.